Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley. It's still joined in the studio here by Michael Keating and Shane is still joining us on the Skype line. Uh, people might remember Michael joined us a few weeks ago where he introduced us to the celebrations that are just coming up and to remind us again of the, the Fatima, the apparitions of Fatima by Our Lady in 1917 and uh, introduced us also to the three seers and reminded us then that the two of the seers um, actually became saints. That's Francisco and Jacinta. And just before uh, Michael leads us in to um, a bit more information on both of those, we might just play a little bit for our listeners and for those who weren't there, the actual moments when Jacinta and Francisco Marta became saints. Let's see this. Santos Apostolos Pedro e Paolo e nos depois de termos longamente referido implorando várias vezes o auxílio divino e ouvido o parecer de muitos irmãos nossos no episcopado declaramos e definimos como santos os beatos Francisco Marto e Jacinta Marto Michael, uh, while you were actually listening to that, I know you were, you were watching it yourself on EWTN. It must have been a special moment for yourself. It was the most emotional moment in my life because I feel I've known these children for over 30 years, you know, and they seem special friends of mine, yes. even though they're dead since 1919 and 1920. You know, I still feel I knew them yes. from all I've read about them. But there were two extraordinary children, and um, we're not going into apparitions now this morning. We'll just no. give a quick look at the lives of the children. And they were the youngest and second youngest children of Olympia and Manuel Marta of Algestrel in Fatima, the parish of Fatima. And Francisco was born 11th of June 1908. And um, as was the custom at the time, when they came to, you know, it should be seven years, but they actually went out younger. They went out taking out the parents' sheep to mind the sheep, stay with the sheep. Mm-hmm. They had what was called, I suppose, what we call commonage, common land, okay. you know, but you had to go out and mind your own sheep. So the children, the young children went out and did that. And um, Francisco, he was a lovely child. He loved nature because he loved birds, he loved the animals, mm-hmm. and he loved playing the flute. That was his big thing, playing the flute. And when the other children were playing games and there was a row over who won the game or whatever, mm-hmm. Francisco said, it doesn't matter, he says. I don't mind losing, he said. Let them alone, you know. Even at that age, at five, six years of age, he was that kind of a child. Five, five or six years of age. Yeah, yeah. That was his, that was the kind of mentality Francisco had. Mm. What does it matter, he said to Lucia. And um, the apparitions of the angel, of course, had a huge effect on Francisco. Now, this was before the actual apparitions this was, of Our Lady. Yeah, spring, summer and autumn of 1916, the, the year, year before, before the apparitions of Our Lady. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the first apparition, the angel talking to prayer, because the second apparition, the angels, they were playing in Lucia's garden, down near the well at the back of Lucia's garden, and the angel said, what are you doing? Pray, pray at the hearts of Jesus and Mary, are attentive to the voice of your supplications. Mm. And he said, offer sacrifices. And then they asked the angel, how did you offer sacrifices? And he said, make everything you do a sacrifice. Yeah. So it was, then they started getting very serious about offering sacrifices. When they were going out in the morning, the parents gave them the lunch for the day, going to come after the sheep, but the first thing they do was give away their lunch to poor children they meet on the road. Wow. Um, then in the searing heat in Portugal in the summertime, they, they wouldn't drink water during the day. Lucia recounts one event 
where the Francisco said his head would burst with pain. <clears throat> and Lucia went to the house and she got a bottle of water and she gave it to Francisco. And he said, no, I won't drink it. I'll offer it for sinners, he said. He poured it into a little crevice in the rock and left the sheep drink it. Wow. wow. So <clears throat> then the next thing they did was very serious, to offer more sacrifices. They tied a rope around their waist, which cut into their waist, mm. and to offer that for the, for the conversion of sinners. And that was so severe that Our Lady told them to take it off at night. It was too severe. Their parents knew nothing of this, John. Mm. They would always hide this from their parents. And, and, and tell me, Michael, sorry, why, why, did they, why did this impression of doing all these sacrifices for sinners, why, why was well, it so see, important? Well, in that? one of the apparitions, they had seen the vision of hell, of course. Okay. They'd seen sinners fall into hell. No, not a very popular challenge today. Nobody wants to know about mm-hmm. hell today, but that's the reality they saw. That's what they saw. And that's and, why yeah. it was impressed so much on their mind. Yeah that I have to do something to, to, try, do something, to try to yeah. stop this. Yeah. So it, it wasn't as though they were, they were doing it just for the sake of being... Oh, no, it wasn't. No, no, it, it was, was real. To real. convert sinners. They wanted to convert sinners. Mm. And Jacinta in particular, she wanted to convert the whole world. There was no sacrifice big enough for Jacinta. Mm. But Francisco, he had the vision of our Lord. He saw how sad our Lord was over sinners, over sin, you know, this, the effects mm. of sin. And um, he spent hours and hours in prayer, in total solitude, consoling Jesus. Lucia would go looking for him. She said, what were you doing? I was thinking about Jesus. It's, uh, that's all. He wasn't saying prayers constantly, but he was totally immersed in Jesus. At six years of age. Yeah. And then after the apparitions, Francisco was supposed to go to school, but he said to Lucia, look, he said, our lady has told me I'm going to heaven. So he said, I don't need to go to school. He said, you do. He said, I'll go to the church and I'll spend the day consoling the hidden Jesus. He'd go into the church and if anybody came looking for him, his favourite place to hide was the pulpit. Nobody ever thought to search the pulpit. <laughs> he'd spend the whole day, that when Lucy was finished school, he'd go home and so then. And, yeah. uh, but he'd spend the day consoling the hidden Jesus. And um, so that was the way they lived their lives, John, you know, during the apparitions and for a year after the apparitions. Then, of course, in 1918, Spanish influenza hit Portugal. And remember, our lady had told him, Francisco and Jacinta will take to heaven soon. Lucy had to stay a little while longer. Mm. And um, so December 1918, Francisco got the Spanish influenza. And um, he was confined to bed. Now, this was a terrible sacrifice for him because he hated meeting people. He wanted to be alone with Jesus all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And there was no escape, no, he was confined to bed. Yeah. So he said he'd offer it up for sinners again. And got um, people constantly coming, asking him for prayer for this one and that one. And Lucia tells us in her memoirs that very often people came back and reported miracles. Miracles happened when Francisco prayed. And um, he struggled on until April 1919. That was from December 1918 to April 1919. And the 3rd of April 1919, the priest came. He realised he was very ill. And he gave him his first communion. That was a special but time. He for hadn't me. his first mm. communion received until that day. That was the third of April, nineteen nineteen. And he was only how old was he then? He was born in nineteen oh eight, and he was ten years of age. Ten years of age. Yeah. And um, he told them there was a beautiful light shining in the window because the light from heaven was shining in the window. Wow! Oh. He died the following day. Yeah, and, and you know, between himself and Jacinta. Yeah. The amount of faith that they had oh, to yes. be able to continue That's on, right, yeah. listening to Our Lady, mm-hmm. and 
consoling and, and consoling both. Yeah. But um, so Francisco got his first communion the day before he died. And he was buried in the local cemetery and the family was so poor so badly after the time they didn't even have a proper coffin to bury him. But his remains were transferred to the Basilica in 1952 and of course they're still there today. So that's a very quick little bit about Francisco. Now Jacinta, she was born on 11th of March 1910 and she loved dancing and playing. She loved the games, loved the phone, you know. Mm-hmm. But after the apparitions of the angel and the apparition of Our Lady, she changed and she said, no, we've given up dancing, so we can't, we must offer this up. Every sacrifice she could think of, she had to give it up. You know, she gave up everything that she liked. Um, there are some lovely stories told in Lucia's memoirs about people stopping Jacinta on the road and asking her for prayer. And um, Jacinta would go down on her knees in the road and she'd make the person go down beside her and she'd say, Hail Mary for them. Oh. And they always came back to fashion by thanking God for the miracle they received. But there is one famous one. It was... A prodigal son in the earnest journey, or the way read in the Bible. Yeah. There was a young man in Fatima. He fell out with his parents. He fell out with his parents. He left home, went off, mm-hmm. and they heard no more about him. Mm-hmm. And the mother came in tears to Jacinta. She begged her to pray for the son, so Jacinta sat her praying for the son. Now, as it happened, he had been in jail. Mm-hmm. and um, But this night, he managed to escape from the jail. He made for the hills to escape the police at the time and got lost. And Jacinta was praying for him all the time. He came back later to recall that he said, Jacinta appeared to him, she took him by the hand, and she led him to the main road and pointed the road home to him. Oh. Not alone did the mother come back to thank him, but he came, the son came back as well, converted. Yeah. And Jacinta never left home when that happened. So that's, by, I suppose, by location you call it. But, I mean, Jacinta knew she was going to heaven, and mm-hmm. she got the Spanish influenza, she was very ill, and... A Lisbon specialist came to the house and they said, look, this child needs to go to hospital. Yeah. So the family went to tell the predicament. They knew if she went to hospital, she would die all alone, because our lady had said that. Mm-hmm. If they kept her at home, they would be accused of neglecting her. Mm-hmm. So they were yeah. caught in a terrible dilemma, mm-hmm. and they'd be accused mm-hmm. of making our lady's words come true by yes, neglecting yeah. her completely. So mm-hmm. she was taken to Lisbon. She needed an operation. When the doctor came to operate on her, he said, this girl cannot have an anaesthetic. She was too frail. Yes, too frail to be able to take it. So they gave her a local mm-hmm. anaesthetic. Mm-hmm. They removed two ribs from her under local anaesthetic. But she offered all that up for the conversion of sinners. Now, on the night of the 20th of February, 1920, she begged the priest to give her communion. She had never received her first communion, remember. Mm-hmm. So the priest said he'd bring it in the morning to her, but she died at 10.30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, completely alone, yes. as Our Lady had said. Now, mm-hmm. when she died, the, local, the word got out around Lisbon, the local people were gathered at the end and they started queuing up at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Then they moved to Termatri, they queued up there, they couldn't contact the family, there was consternation because she had this managed influenza to spread disease, oh, you yes, know, yeah, and... Yeah. Um, Four days she was there and the people kept coming in the thousands. Eventually she was put in the tomb of a rich woman because mm. the only person at her funeral was her father, belonged to the family. Oh dear. Um, oh dear. Yeah. She was transferred in to the cemetery in Fatima and her body was exhumed in 1935, totally incorrupt. Beautiful. Wow. Well, yeah, her body yeah. was as fresh as the day it went down. And in April 51 she was transferred to the Basilica of Fatima. And of course... They were canonised this year. Now, the story about canonisation, John. Mm. That now, was 
Just before you do that now, Michael, um, can I just ask you something? While you were just recounting those stories of the other children, I was just thinking about the parents. And the parents would have been aware, I'm sure they would have been aware, I mean, the children would have been relating to their parents, our ladies' visions. Well, <coughs> the parents, there's an unusual one, Jen. When the three children were together inside in the house, they never stopped talking. Yeah. And the parents said, we couldn't get one more of what they said. Okay. The children kept talking about what our lady yeah, 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 yeah. No matter how hard they listened, they couldn't get it. Now, obviously, they told them what our lady said about you dying, that, you know. Yes. But they constantly were talking about heaven and things but like they've that. They've been aware of macro- um, offering sacrifices for sinners. And not to the degree that they were. No, but, they, but they, they weren't. They didn't know they were giving away their lunches. They didn't know they were, they were wearing the rope around their waist, anything like that. They didn't no. know it. They, they hid as much as they could from the, from the parents. And when these people were coming up to them to ask for prayer, yeah. when the parents been aware, it would be aware they, of They'd meet too. them on the road or they'd somewhere. They'd meet them now, on their own. They used okay. to try to escape them at one stage. And then Jacinta said, no, we, said, we must meet them. We must offer this up as well, she said. You know. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's the way they looked at it. And then, of course, you're just about to relate to us now that, that beautiful story uh, of how the canonization came about. Yeah. Well, see, the process started <coughs> in 1946, mm. and it was stalled. The Pope stalled it straight away. He said children <coughs> did not have the capacity to practice Christian virtue in a heroic way. And he stalled it completely because they were so young, he said they could not practice Christian virtue in the heroic way that was needed for yeah, sainthood. Yeah, I read that somewhere. And yeah. um, so in 1968, the Bishop of Fatima, plus 300 other bishops, wrote to the Pope to get the process going again. And... The prefect for the Congregation of Saints Causes, he said the one event that impressed him so much was when they were in jail. And um, yeah. that Lucia was separated from them. Both of them were told, look, Lucia is dead, you will be by the Nile, the same as her, if you don't recount it, this was all rubbish, you have to tell us, you know, this was all false, all rubbish. Yeah. And their answer was, you can do what you want, but we cannot tell a lie. That was yeah. their answer. They were prepared for martyrdom. And just mm-hmm. to remind our listeners again, I know you shared it with us two weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, that the authorities took them to jail hoping that they would prevent them from meeting Our Lady oh, yes. on the 13th. Isn't and it right? all they wanted them to do was to say, look, it's all a lie, to nonsense, you know what I mean? We mm-hmm. made it all up. That's all, that, that's all that they say. But the children were in jail mm-hmm. amongst criminals yeah. and they were told that they'd be thrown in boiling oil. Yeah, boiling oil, that's right, yeah. And yes... They wouldn't. And that was the event that led to the process reopening again. The mm-hmm. Vatican studied all this. When they had that. The prefect for the Congregation of Saints studied this. Mm. He said, look, these people were prepared for matters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Michael, so, of course, it's, it's important just to make the point that the, the decision to canonize um, Francesco and Jacinta has actually nothing to do with the fact that they are the seers of fashion. Oh, no, you perfect shame, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, because they, they're not canonized because they saw Our Lady. Um, you know, that, and, and, and that was something actually Pope Francis brought up during his visit to Fatima. And like you said, John, they're, ca- they're Michael, the, the, the two little seers, the two little shepherds of Fatima, they're canonized because they, they, they lived holy lives. That's the example, and they're held up as examples for us. I suppose just to finish up, John, you're first saying to you need a miracle, mm. you know. And the two miracles, Michael. Yeah, two miracles, yeah, Michael. Yeah, but the miracle was cleared in March uh, this year you know, by the Pope was one of a Brazilian boy. And um, he was five years of age, 2013. He fell out of the balcony window. He fell 20 feet down the ground. He hopped his skull off the ground. 
cracked his skull, lost brain tissue even, and he was in a complete deep coma. His heart stopped twice, and there was very little hope for him. The very best diagnosis was that he could be in a vegetable state after it. Mm-hmm. So the parents knew about Fatima, they prayed to Lady Fatima, but they went to the Carmelite convent to get the nuns to pray for him. And um, the nuns were on a two-day silent retreat. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they couldn't talk to the nuns. So they had to go back again two days later. He was between life and death now the whole time, hanging, you know, this poor boy mm-hmm. was. And um, one of the nuns straight away ran to the tabernacle, took out a relic of Francesco in the centre and got all the nuns to pray. Within two days, that boy was sitting up, asking for his family, his sister, and all. he remembered everything. His memory was totally perfect. He was totally healed. And he was in Fatima to meet the Pope for the 13th of October for the canonization. Didn't he bring up the gifts, I think? So yeah. Some of the family brought up the gifts as well, some mm-hmm. of the St. Francisco's family. But that's the miracle, this really powerful miracle. There was no explanation. There were a lot of doctors in the hospital, a lot of unbelieving doctors, and they said no explanation whatsoever. And Michael, um, just to remind our listeners again, there was, a, there was a lovely article about that in the Irish Catholic. Mm. Isn't that, was that last week? Was yeah, it? Yeah, Catholic of May the 18th. Yeah, uh, yeah. Of May the 18th. So, just in case people might. There's a pull, pull out section all about the saints, you know, mm. the two saints. So, I suppose, John, you know, they're the youngest ever non martyred saints in the history of the church. You know, they're so special, these young children. And um, the patronage I was reading there is bodily eels, Portuguese children, captives, people ridiculed for their piety, prisoners, sick people, and against sickness. So, there are people out there, John, that are, you know, have sick children, maybe. Yeah. Ask the Saint San Francisco, they will pray for them. They said it before they died. You know, when they get to heaven, they will pray for everybody. <laughs> I think so, that's important for people to hear yeah. that, because sometimes maybe, you know, they think, well, these saints are, are dead now, and mm. that's it. But no, the idea is that these saints are, are up in heaven, willing and able. And they will intercede for us, of course, mm. they'll intercede for us to Jesus. And so, um, these were only about 10 years of age and 8 years of age when they died. Well, no, the, um, Francisco was 10. 10, that's right, yeah. He was born in June 1908, mm-hmm. and he died in March 1910. And, um, what do you call it, Jacinta was born in 19... Oh, sorry, John, I have it Francisco was born the 11th of June 1908. Yeah. And he died on the 4th of April, 1919. Okay, about 10. Yeah, okay. So, Jacinta was uh, 9 when she died. Sorry, she was 7 times at that position. She was 9 when she died. It's incredible. It's hard to believe it, John, that they were saying today. Isn't it? And so we thought, or Michael thought, that it was so important, again, that we devote a bit more time to Jacinta and Francisco. And, of course, I know that Michael has often mentioned to me that, um, again, recounting that episode there in in August, I think it was, when the authorities decided to take those two young children away. And again, the the the, the, uh, the Commission for the Author for, for the Canonization of Saints, um, that impressed them to yeah, so much that they decided to start it off. That's right. That's the event that impressed them so much about the, yeah, the two saints. Maybe Shane might have something to say there, Harry Shane. No, I, I, I just, I just think it's, a, it's, it's an interesting one. As you said, uh, Michael, they're two of the youngest saints that have ever been canonised by the church. Um, if not the youngest, I'm not 100 percent sure on well, they're, that they're one. They're the youngest. I was, I was just looking to see if I could see it. Yeah, they're the youngest non-mastered, yeah. They, you know, and they, 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 they're a reminder to us that can, you know, when we're older, we can get a bit cynical about things. 
Mm. And we can, you know, as adults, we can be, you know, we can be very, we can be very cynical is the word, I suppose. And one of the things I suppose that canonization of the, of the, of the shepherds of Fatima would remind us of is, you know, we are called to be childlike, not childish now, but mm-hmm. childlike when it comes to things of faith. And, you know, children, some of the best theologians I have ever met are under the age of seven. I challenge any of you to have a conversation about life and death and the meaning of life in general with a seven-year-old and they'll push your philosophy and your theology to the utmost end. And there's something about children, they can see it very simply and they don't complicate it. And I suppose that's something that the series of Fatima remind us of. You know, Jacinta and Francesco, they were very simple in how they saw it all. Not simple... As in, you know, just as, you know, that we have that expression, Aaron, someone that's simple or soft or not right in the head, but mm-hmm. something innocent, I suppose, is the other way you could describe it. And it's a reminder to us all that that's, in some ways, that's what we're called to be. And sp- and just speaking about called, I mean, those two children were, were called to pray for sinners. We are all called to do yeah. something, and we'll speak more about that maybe in part three when we, when we discuss this week's gospel. And I suppose when we, when we look at their lives, you know, which Our Lady asked us to offer up everything for sinners. Yeah. Um, when we have you know, a headache, when we have things go wrong, mm. instead of giving out about it, offer it up. Because later on, Our Lady appeared to Lucia after the operations, and she said, the sacrifice I now demand is the offering up of your daily duties. You know, whatever our mm-hmm. daily duties, offer that up to God. You know. Now, this is coming from Our Lady, mm-hmm. coming from heaven. Yeah. So it's not as though it's a... You know, it's a, you know, it's our ladies don't have with the rope tied around their waist, no. you know, according to the waist, but mm. offer up whatever we're doing. Make everything you do a sacrifice, the angel said. Everything, no matter what it is. If you're having to get up in the morning, we don't feel like it. Well, look, I'll do this, I'll offer this up. Yeah. Michael, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's something certainly for us to think about. In the meantime, we go for our second bit of music. And this morning, um, I decided to play um, something from Downer again. But this one, this time, it's entitled uh, The Angelus.
Sacred Space 